glory, all honor, and all praise. And we sing hallelujah. We join with the Hebrews. Because that's why they say it in Hebrew, hallelujah. And we join with the Chinese, because that's how they say it, hallelujah. And we join with the Spanish, because that's how they say it, hallelujah. And we join with the angels, because that's how they say it, hallelujah. We glorify your great name, King of kings and Lord of lords. We honor you, King Jesus. For you were, you are, and you forevermore will be. You saved, you've been saying, saving, and you will continue to save. And Lord, we thank you. You were God, are God, forevermore will be God, and we worship you as God. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. We're so glad you're here this morning. We uh, know of one passage of Scripture that's kind of a startling passage of Scripture. Um, it's Revelation 21.8. It gives us a list of those that go to hell. And the first one that makes the list is the cowardly. That's interesting. It says here's Revelation 21.8. Here's, it gives us a list and it says the cowardly, then the unbelieving I want you to know the two go hand in hand because if you believe God, you won't be a coward. Because you know it has nothing to do with your strength, your ability. It has everything to do with him and he's the almighty God. Amen. Amen. Y'all talk to me this morning now. In uh, the book of Acts, there was a, a passage in which it tells us of Paul and, and some with him going to the city of Thessalonica. And when they get to that city of Thessalonica, uh, there was word got out that they were there. And so there was some people that came to stir up the stink and try to cause problems. And here's what was said about Paul and, and these others. He said, these are those who have turned the world upside down. Amen. And now they've come to our city. They didn't say it in a good way, but I believe it's a good thing. When we recognize that God has come and he uses us. And, and, and I think they had it wrong in this. I don't think that, that we turn the world upside down. I think we turn it right side up. <laughs> Everything's a little bit upside down right now already. And he uses us to come change the world. And, and, and we have all through the Gospels a phrase that is, is used that I think we need, it needs to become second nature how we say this, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. He plans on bringing his rule and reign. And, and I know in sometimes our minds that that's not a good thing, but I want to tell you when it comes to God, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. And so uh, let's, let's start in the book of Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, uh, Jesus is beginning his ministry and he starts with a, a sermon in his hometown. And there in his hometown in, in the city of Nazareth, he gets up and takes the scroll of Isaiah and starts reading a passage of scripture that was actually written about him. And so Jesus stands there in the synagogue and he reads this, Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. Lord really highlighted this passage of scripture in my understanding a couple years ago during a time of fasting. And, and uh, you know, growing up in... in church world the way I have, we've always known 
about salvation, how to share with someone the plan of salvation, that each one of us was born with a sin nature. We were born with a rebellious, rebellious attitude in which we really want to do things our way, our timing, and we wanted our stuff and our space and our whatever. That's the sin nature. And, and recognizing that Jesus Christ died to save us from our sins. And, and so in this salvation, we knew that he died in our place and that upon repentance and turning to Jesus Christ, we can have our sins washed away, be made new. We call it being born again. And, and, and now have an eternity with life in Christ in heaven. And, and so we have always understood since the age of seven the plan of salvation. But I want you to know there's more to the Christian life than just getting to heaven. Yeah, right. I mean to tell you. And there's more to our job as Christians than just preaching about getting to heaven. There is this, this passage is so loaded with the goodness of God and that we're supposed to be sharing this goodness of God. So let's look at it again. Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. By the way, he'll be upon you too. When you take up the, the role that God's called you to do and created you for, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, he'll anoint you too, to preach the gospel to the poor. The preaching of the gospel is absolutely essential. So don't let me, don't, don't think that I'm minimizing the preaching of the gospel. I'm maximizing the preaching of the gospel because if I can give somebody a sandwich and say, bless you, <laughs> and I don't give them Jesus, that all I've done is just filled their stomach but not their soul. You see what I'm saying? We, we must preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it goes on from there. To preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. God cares about the emotional needs of people. He cares that they're hurting, that they're struggling, and he wants us to do something about it. And we can. There's the power of Jesus Christ to change and to heal broken hearts. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And people are captive by all sorts of things, aren't we? By addiction, by demonic oppression. We, we're, we're captive by all sorts of uh, delusional thinking. Captive by all sorts of things. Well, there's liberty in Christ Jesus. Recovery of sight to the blind. This could be spiritual healing, but it absolutely involves physical healing. And there's physical healing in Christ Jesus. I still believe it. Amen. Y'all believe it? I can't help it. Can't help but believe it because I've seen it. Had my hands on it when it happened <laughs> and experienced it personally myself. And so, to set, and then it says, recover your sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And there's oppression of all sorts. And Jesus said, But I have come to bring liberty to the oppressed. Verse 19, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And so, this is the kingdom of God. This is what we as Christians ought to be going out and, and, and doing and proclaiming. You'll notice that some of this is proclaiming and some of it is doing. And so that we, in sharing with people about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, let me just kind of break it down this way. That, that the kingdom of darkness or the domain of darkness is constantly swaying and moving over this earth all the time. We get that, right? I mean, it's almost like they're increasing. The, the darkness, the, 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 the oppression, the, the demonic, the, the evil, it's just continued to increase. And, 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 and just looking at it, would almost, it almost gets you depressed. And that's what Corey Timboom said, look at the world, you get depressed. Look, look at the world, you get distressed. Look within, you'll get depressed. But look to Jesus and you'll find rest. Amen. 
But, but we, we look to the world, we say, my goodness, darkness everywhere. But we, as children of God, have been, pro, been, been called to, created for and called to shed the light of Jesus Christ. Amen? Not to be an obnoxious, mean, hateful Christian, but someone who simply knows the truth of God's word, that God loves them. That God wants to set captives free, heal them, restore them. That God wants to fix them. And I needed a whole lot of fixing in my life. Amen. And so we look at these passages of Scripture and recognize that this is now our calling. Just as Jesus commanded us in Matthew 28, 18, we call it the Great Commission. What it, this connects to is the Great Commission. Go ye therefore in all the world, making disciples of all nations. And this is the things that we, these are the things that we're supposed to be doing. And so setting the captives free, restoring uh, those who are oppressed. Now I want to look at Luke chapter 9, or chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, so we, we looked at Luke 4, and Luke 4 is Jesus saying, this is what I'm about. This is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And this is what I'm about doing. And so in Luke chapter 4, he says, this is, this is about helping the hurting and healing the broken. And, uh, and so it's more than just getting you to heaven. It's having the heavenly realm come and invade this world. That's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be taking new land for the glory of Jesus Christ. That makes sense? Let me just, uh, before I move on to the next part, let me just touch on that a little bit. You've got a vote and you've got a voice. And you are meant to take your Christian values and the standards of God's word to the ballot. And to, to stand up for what we know is truth, what we know is right, and what we know is righteous. We were called to do that. And so to take the mentality, I'm just going to sit back and not stir the pot, that's an evil mentality. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one who was killed at the end of World War II, he was a, a pastor in Germany. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, to stay silent in the face of evil is evil itself. Silence in the face of evil is evil. So, so, child of God, just know that we ought to be spreading the goodness of God. The gospel, the good news, we ought to spread that as well. But the goodness of God, the standards of, of God, we ought to be spreading that in our community, in our home, and, and everywhere we go. Luke chapter 10, Jesus has now moved from just preaching in Luke chapter 4, uh, this good news, to now he is training up disciples who will now go out and share this good news and go out and spread the kingdom of God. And so in Luke 10, he sends them out. Verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Yay, it's going to be fun. <laughs> I'm going to send you out as a, as a lamb chop amongst a bunch of rabid dogs. That's what I'm going to send you out. And so he says, he says I'm going to send you out. It's going to be a little dangerous. And then he says, I don't want you to carry any money with you. I, don't care. I want you to carry a, a sleeping bag. I want you to carry extra shoes. I, don't want, you to, I want you to go. And to the areas that you're going, proclaim the Lord, and then see if they'll give you a place to sleep. Yay, this is so fun. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Hey, I'm going to send you out a bunch of people who want to kill you, and you're going to ask them for a place to sleep. And when they give you a place to sleep, you just stay there for a while. 
You just stay there for a while. You eat their food, sleep in their house. And uh, it's crazy. And they do it. He goes on to tell them a little bit about how they're going to do it. Look at verse 8. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. Heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. <laughs> he said, I want you to show them the power of God and give them an opportunity. Give them an opportunity to experience the kingdom of God. Let them see it and then invite them. We call it an invitation at the end of every service we do. It's an invitation when everyone's given an opportunity to respond to the kingdom of God. And so he says, I want you to heal the sick. And they say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Verse 10, but whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. You just leave them that with that lasting message. God came close and you rejected him. What did, I mean, I, I know that there have been several times in my life that I've missed great opportunities. And I might get to heaven one day and realize, oh man, that was a God-appointed moment and I missed it. That he, he, he meant for me to talk to them. He meant me, for me to do that. That was a God moment and I missed it. But can you imagine standing before God and God says, I came close to you and I wanted, I wanted you to receive me unto yourself. I'm not going to force myself on you. But I want you to receive me as Savior and Lord and you wouldn't do it. And so as he is sharing with them the judgment that comes with a life without Christ, he says, I want you to stand outside the city and just dust you. Dust your, your legs off. I was about to say pants. They didn't have pants. <laughs> dust yourself off and say, I don't even want y'all's dust on me. It's judgment. And so he, he gives them that, that joyful news. Amen. <laughs> that joyful news. You're under the judgment of God. But salvation has come near to you. And all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Look in verse 17. Then the 70... Remember how they went out? I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves with no money, no housing, no nothing, no food. Have fun. Get out there. <laughs> this ain't going to be fun. They come back saying, that was fun. <laughs> they come back rejoicing. Verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus said, man, I, I know. I've seen it. I've seen it. Satan was there in the domain of the heavenly realm in the, in the throne room of God. But because of his pride, he was cast out. He said, I know. He's defeated. And, and so he goes on to say, verse 18, And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority. I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. And if you don't understand that terminology, that is referring to the demonic. Serpents and scorpions. As I said in the previous service, I don't know why spiders aren't named among them. I hate spiders. I hate spiders. And even though I might have the authority, I don't have the ability, I call my wife, will you go kill a spider? I scream like a junior high girl. <laughs> And so he says, I'm telling you, as a child of God, you have the authority over the demonic realm. It, this, it, this might be new news to some of you. 
But this is not a new concept. It's not new truth. This is, this is news that the kingdom of God needs to understand. You need to know this. You do not have to get worked over by the enemy. You don't have to let your family be sacrificed by the enemy. So understand who you are and what you have in Christ Jesus. And I need you to understand this. It is only in Christ Jesus. It's only in Christ Jesus. So he says, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. The greatest thing about this Christian life is that I am now a child of God. Over and above all the stuff that comes with it, the greatest thing is I am a child of God. And there's some awesome stuff that comes with it, like this thing that we're talking about now, the authority over the demonic realm. We have it. Don't you go playing with it. Don't you go messing around and say, oh, I'm going to be a ghostbuster, whatever you want to call it. Don't you? But understand, the greatest thing is that you were transformed by the power of Jesus Christ from death to life, from judgment to blessing. Amen. Said so that's what you need to rejoice in, verse 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and I love that passage because I need to uh, I just feel like he says man what I came to do I taught them they went out and did it themselves and came back saying man this kingdom business is real this kingdom business is real and we are a part of the kingdom of God. And it is a kingdom that does not hurt, it helps. It is a kingdom that heals. It is a kingdom that restores. It is a, a kingdom in which there is love and peace and joy. And he said they came back rejoicing and Jesus was rejoicing because they were rejoicing. Amen. Amen. So he rejoiced in his spirit, verse 21. I need uh, to look real quick in Acts now, Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. In the book of Acts, Jesus has now been crucified, buried, rose again, and ascended into heaven. Died on the cross for our sins. Died in our place. Satisfying the righteous requirement of God against sin. Jesus did that on the cross. He was buried. Lay there for three days proving that he was absolutely dead. He didn't just pass out. He was dead, buried, and three days later rose from the dead and then ascended into heaven where he sits at God's right hand as our intercessor. And that's good news. Amen. That's good news. In Acts chapter 3, the young church, the early church, is going out and doing exactly what Jesus commanded them to go out and do. And, and, and here, I mean, this is just, just shortly after his ascension. And there's Peter and John, and they're going to go into the temple complex. They're going to go in there and pray and preach. And on their way into the temple complex, people would, would lay uh, uh, the lame, the sick. They would lay them at the, at the gates to the temple. Because as people were going into worship, they would feel generous and give, give alms, they call it, uh, to those who were in bad shape. So there at the gate of the temple complex is this guy who's been lame it says, front, verse 2, says, from his mother's womb. From his mother's womb. He has never taken a step in his life. We need to understand that. He has never been able to walk in his entire life. He's been lame since his mother's womb. And so now, 
They have laid him at the gates, and here comes Peter and John, beep-bopping along. They're heading up in the temple complex, and that guy lock, locks eyes with them, and he asks them for money. And they lock eyes with him and said, listen, look at me. He said, we don't have no money. <laughs> Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. And look at it in verse 6. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You're going to see something repeated over and over and over in the next two chapters. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And so here's how they start off. They say, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus. I need you to, I need you to, to get this. Just, just say it. Let's just say it. In the name of Jesus. It's going to come up over and over and over again. In the name of Jesus. So he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood up and walked into the temple with him, walking, leaping, praising God. Man, he never took a step in his whole life. He was never a little toddler trying to balance himself and hold on to things. He has been lame since birth. And he never did learn how to walk. He went to jumping. My mama said, I didn't learn how to walk. I went to running as soon as I got up on my feet. And here's a man. As soon as they lifted him up, he didn't have to learn how to do this. God healed him completely and instantly. And there he goes jumping and running and praising God. And they go into the temple complex. People are blown away as they go into the temple complex. Here's this guy. They've been watching him for all of his life being laid there at the gates. And here he is running and jumping. And so you can imagine it caused a stir. You can imagine the crowds. I don't know if y'all have ever been at, on, the, on the schoolyard when you heard, fight, fight, everybody come running. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Nobody knows? Usually I was the one in the middle of that. <laughs> so here they are. Here comes the crowd. They're all trying to crowd through those gates and get inside the temple complex. And as soon as they get in there, they go to the area called Solomon's Portico, his porch area. And Peter goes to preaching. And he goes to preaching, and I mean, he is... As Jerry Clyer would say, he's shelling down the corn. <laughs> he's shucking it on down to the cob. He is preaching and powerful preaching. And let's just cut to part of his sermon, verse 15, verse 14. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murder to be granted to you. He is preaching to the very ones who had Jesus crucified. He pointed them in their face and said, you killed him. Verse 15, killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead of which we are witnesses. Now I need you to understand that's what they got in trouble. Because in the temple complex it is being run, it is being overseen by the Sadducees. And the Sadducees don't believe that people can be resurrected. It was a Jewish group that, that did not believe in the resurrection. And so when he said that Jesus was raised from the dead, they get fighting mad. And, but he just keeps on preaching. Verse 16, Catch this. And his what? Name. Through faith in his what? Name. Has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him perfect soundness in the presence of you all. He says he got, he got, he got healed because he trusted in the name of Jesus. And it's all about the name. He trusted in the name. And so they, he continues to preach the gospel to him and says, you must trust in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 19. Repent and therefore, uh, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. 
the acceptable year of the Lord. Just what Jesus said. And so he is now preaching the gospel that they need to turn from themselves, turn to Christ, and, uh, and, and it gets them in trouble. Got them in trouble because they preached the resurrection. Chapter 4, verse 1. Now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees, remember, they don't believe in life after death. That's why they're sad, you see. <laughs> and, and the, that's a crusty old preacher joke, but I still got to say it every now and then. <laughs> and, and the Sadducees came upon them. They jumped them. Verse 2, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they jumped them. And they laid hands on them. We lay hands on people, but not like this so much. <laughs> they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day. What they did is they snatched them up, threw them in jail. Yeah. Peter and John, they're preaching Jesus. They healed a man. They healed a man. And, and, and these Sadducees, this religious mafia, was more interested in what was right, what was appropriate. They were more interested in religion than they were the life of this man. They were more interested in their dogma or their doctrine than they were in a human being. And so look what happens. In the chapter 4, um, verse 3, and they laid hands on them, put them in custody. Verse 4, chapter 4, verse 4. However, many of those who heard the word believed. Amen. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Man. And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers, elders, scribes, and these, these people, verse 7, when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power, catch it, by what power or by what name have you done this? I don't even think they know what they're saying. I don't even think they recognize what they're saying. They are connecting power with the name. Amen? Because there's power in the name. There's power in the name of Jesus. By what power or by what name have you done this? Because they're more concerned about is this appropriate? Does it fit our religion? Does it fit? And so uh, they, Peter, Peter can't help but preach. So uh, Peter says in verse 8, Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed to be done to a helpless man by what means we have made him, made him well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus, amen? Everybody say amen. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, he ain't letting up, <laughs> whom God raised from the dead, he's still talking about resurrection because it's essential to salvation. You must believe in the resurrected Christ to be saved. I'm just going to pause for a second. You need to know that. It's not just that he died on the cross. It's also that he rose from the grave. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so he's still, Peter ain't letting up. He knows that, he knows they're Sadducees. And he's still preaching the resurrection of Jesus. Somebody tell me what verse I'm on. <laughs> Seven or eight or ten or twelve. Or <laughs> uh, sometime I get to preach and lose my place. All right, verse ten. Let it be known to you all that all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. And then he says, 
this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. It's an Old Testament prophecy that there would be this, this chief cornerstone. And you need to understand what a cornerstone is. I know that we've seen buildings and they'll have in the, in the side, the corner of the building, there'll be something engraved on the stone. And, and that's not, and they'll have a verse of scripture about the chief cornerstone. That's not a true cornerstone. Cornerstone in biblical times was a foundational stone, and it was, it was true. And in building terms, what it means to be true, it means to be level, plumb, and square. And Jesus is true. In fact, he is the truth. Amen? John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And it says he's the chief cornerstone. All, he is the standard of righteousness. This is good preaching. Y'all need to be saying something about this, all right? <laughs> I'm preaching better than your amen and that's what I'm he is he is the standard of righteousness he's as the building term true he's, he's level plumb and square and how you do that is that in that day and age they would find a stone and they would make sure if it what wasn't correct they would get it correct so it would become the standard by what line that wall would be built on by what line the rest of that floor would be laid on what is plumb Jesus is the standard. You're not the standard. The world is not the standard. What society says is good or bad, that's not the standard. Jesus is the standard. If you don't line up on Jesus, you're out of line. Amen? That's pretty good right there. All right, let's get back to it. So, he's the chief cornerstone, but the builders of religion rejected him. They're the ones who supposedly were following the ways of Yahweh God, and yet they rejected Jesus. And Peter's just letting them have it. I just know that he's pointing in their face. Verse 12, nor is there salvation, catch it, understand it, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other, what? Name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I'm going to preach Jesus. Because it's the only name that'll transform somebody's life. It's the only name that'll create, uh, that'll create a, a new individual uh, being born again or spiritually dead making them spiritually alive. It's the name of Jesus. Now, verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. That's me. That's most of us. We're just normal folks, aren't we? These weren't seminary graduates. They didn't have a bunch of initials after their names. They, they, they were just ordinary folk. But they were preaching with such boldness, with such power. They're like, my goodness, listen to these guys preach. And it says they recognize they've been with Jesus. Now Jesus is dead, buried, resurrected, ascended into heaven. Jesus is no more. But the powerful people that he has now sent out, they were a witness that Jesus is truly God. Let's read that again. Remember, Jesus ascended into heaven. Verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. They, mar they were blown away. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. Now, let's just keep reading. I'd just rather keep reading. Seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? They don't know what to do with them. For indeed, that a notable miracle had been done 
through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. We've been watching this guy lay there all of his whole life. We've, we've been passing by him every day our whole life, and, and he's never taken a step, and now he's jumping around, praising God. We, we can't deny it. Verse 17. But so that it spreads no further. We don't want any of this stuff getting out. We don't want any of this craziness getting out. I mean, good night. There might be other people get healed. <laughs> good night. Somebody might get their life straight or something. We don't get this. Man, we would rather you just stay there lame than let this Christianity stuff spread. So that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. Name. Name of Jesus. Said, y'all quit saying the name of Jesus. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Let's just, let's just show them. Let's just say it. Jesus. <laughs> I just show you. Jesus. <laughs> they said, quit saying the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, verse 19. Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. That's a, that's a critical question. When we deal with a government that's anti-God, and that government says, you can't meet anymore. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do that. I've had people say, what do we do, Pastor? We were supposed to obey the civil authorities. Yeah, that's a Romans, 8 passage, Romans passage about that. Peter and John says, you know what? We're in a bit of a quandary. We got religious leaders saying that we aren't supposed to, but he said, we can't help ourselves. We can't help ourselves. He said, I'll let God judge. I'm just going to keep saying the name of Jesus. I'll let God judge it. And so this is what he said. Uh, Peter, verse 19, Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Amen. You know what it is to witness? In Christian life, we think witness means one thing, and then in, in court, we think it means something else. Can I help you understand? It's the same thing. It is to testify what you have seen and heard and know. And that is what we are to be. We are to be a witness. Someone who says, I know the, the power of God because I've experienced it, and now I can just tell you what I've experienced. And so this is what Peter and John said, I'm going to tell people what we know to be true because we've experienced it. And says, you got a problem with that? That's your problem. <laughs> That's your problem. It actually would be their problem. They'd get imprisoned and beaten. And, uh, but they said, you know what? We're still going to uh, speak the name of Jesus. All right, so these religious leaders, they don't know what to do with them. They cut them loose. said, don't talk about Jesus. Cut them loose. They go and they found a prayer meeting, verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard it, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, catch this, this Old Testament passage. Why do, the why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? Let me explain why does the earth think they can come against God? Why does humanity think that they can come against God? And the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. 
Who, who do they think they are? Who do they really think they are to tell us that you just, you just quiet down on all this God stuff? You just quit talking about all this Jesus stuff. Why, why does, why do, and then here they are in their prayer meeting, they're quoting scripture about the very thing that we're talking about. And then verse 27, For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand purposed to determine before to be done. In other words, Pontius Pilate, Herod, they were all puppets in the hands of God. Because nothing was going to stop Jesus from coming. Nothing was going to stop the God of all creation bringing us salvation. He said, it's futile. It's in vain. And so there they are praying in, uh, in verse 28. To do whatever your hand and your purpose determined there, to be, uh, there before to be done. Verse 29. Look what they pray. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. He didn't say stop the threats. He didn't say just make everything safe. When my, my sons were growing up, they got a mama that can kind of, you know, y'all be careful. Y'all be careful. And we didn't, we ain't called to make them safe. We called to make them strong. Amen. Sometimes, Strength comes through struggle. So here is what they have prayed in the midst of the struggle. May we be bold. Amen. Let's read again verse 29. Now Lord, look on their threats. Look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Seems to me like they've been pretty bold. <laughs> Peter man just giving it out you killed him you killed him <laughs> and they've been pretty bold but now they all come together and say may we all be bold may we all be bold and speak your word the word of God by stretching out your hand to heal amen in other words let them see the power of God let them see the power of God by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through what the name of your holy servant Jesus. Amen. Through the name. And when they had prayed, this would be an awesome prayer meeting to be at, amen. <laughs> when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with what? Boldness. Amen. Amen. They spoke with boldness. We're in an age which I have seen enough sissy saints I have seen enough sissy saints that believes that it is true that we're supposed to hide within the walls of our churches and not go out there and speak the name of Jesus I pray for bold believers with backbone like tree trunk that says I can't help but tell, you, tell people what he's done for me I can't help but tell people the experiences that I've had with the Lord I am going to continue to speak the name of Jesus I'm going to do what Jesus said. I'm going to preach the gospel to the poor, set captives free, restore sight to the blind, set at liberty to those who are oppressed. I'm going to do what I've been called to do and created to do because that's what I find my purpose in. That's what I find my joy in. So, I want to close with one more verse of scripture. That's in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8. 
Ephesians 3.8. Paul is now preaching to the church at Ephesus and he says, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints. Paul's talking about himself. This is Apostle Paul. He says, oh, but I'm the less of the least. Uh, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Let me kind of break that down real quick. It's not that the riches of Christ can't be searched. It's that you can't get to the end of them all. Amen. I love adventure. I love, I love doing things like that. Uh, uh, just being adventurous in, in itself and going out and doing wild and crazy things. I, uh, I have the scars and the broken bones to prove it. Uh, I, I just always kind of been wired that way. But to search out the deep depths of God's riches, it's the greatest adventure of all time. If you're just satisfied with your knowledge of Christ, if you're just satisfied with what you know about God, I feel sorry for you. Because I want no more. I want to go deeper. I want to go higher, farther. I want to go get more of his riches. I want to get more of him. I want to be more in his presence. I want to experience more of, of who he is. And here's what the truth of the scripture says. You'll never get to the end of it. You'll never run out. So the unsearchable riches of Christ, verse 9, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. You are, if you are a child of God, you are a part of the fellowship of the mystery. For this mystery is that God himself can actually take a human being and transform them into a spiritual one. Amen? And that God himself can actually move into and live within a human being. That's the mysteries of God. And we are part of the fellowship of the mystery, if you're a child of God. To make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. In other words, not everybody got to get in on this deal. There was a lot of time and a lot of people before Jesus. Aren't you glad that you got in on this deal? <laughs> it, it was a mystery hidden within God. Until Jesus came, died, resurrected from the grave. And now we get to get in on it. It says, to make all see. I want everybody to see it. I want everyone to understand this Jesus. To make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Interesting. We have a anti-church mentality that kind of floats on around there all oh, been church hurt I ain't ever going back to church again well you're missing out on something you're missing out on something I've had bad experiences at restaurants I didn't quit going to restaurants <laughs> as you can tell I may, I, may, I may even go back to that same restaurant and say well I'm willing to try it again there may be somebody that didn't properly represent y'all before I'm willing to try again and, and maybe I Maybe eventually I'll say, all right, I ain't going back to that restaurant no more. But I'm going to another one. I'm going to another one. But it, what I'm trying to get at is if you put off church and say, well, I ain't going to church no more. It's full of whatever. You're missing out on some of the riches of God. So to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to, catch this, the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. What is he saying? 
that he, God is using human beings not only, witness, not only to witness to other human beings, but also to demons and angels. He wants to use a human, you and me, to express to all of the spiritual realm that Jesus is the Christ. Amen. To the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Verse 11. According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus. That's salvation. In whom, catch this now. We'll stop. In whom we have what? Boldness. May we have a holy boldness. And access with confidence through faith in him. Father God, I pray that you would, just like they prayed in the book of Acts, give us your holy boldness. Father, I pray that we would not be sissy saints, but bold believers who go forward and say, I'm going to preach the name of Jesus. I'm going to see people get healed. I'm going to see people get set free. I'm going to see those who are brokenhearted get mended. And I'm going to go do it in the name of Jesus. Because you've called me to go forward in the kingdom of heaven power and the power of the name of Jesus to go help people and to love them with your love and I ain't going to stop just because it ain't culturally accepted I'm not going to stop just because some politician somewhere says I can't I'm going to continue to speak the name of Jesus and I don't I'm not only going to do it in this church house. I'm going to do it in my house. I'm going to do it all around our community. I'm going to do it all around this county. I'm going to continue to proclaim the name of Jesus. And let somebody try and stop me. Why do the kings of this earth do vain things? Try and stop the name of Jesus. But I pray you'd stir up your people with a holy boldness we would go forth in the power of your Holy Spirit and the, the authority of the name of Jesus may it be so in Jesus mighty name we pray amen let's stand together let's stand together we have a time of invitation the altar's open you can come and pray you can have our prayer team pray with you but as we worship you move don't delay